the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening. <laughs> Almost forgot to push the button. I have only been doing talk radio now for nine, ten years. So, you know, you got to cut me a little bit of slack. But welcome back. Saturday night, March 2nd. Very busy political weekend and political next few days with Super Tuesday coming up. We're going to talk about all of those things. I had a wonderful Sort of a first outing. You know, I've been continuing to do my monthly Arapaho Tea Party meetings uh, after taking a few months off when 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 my wife died back in June. Uh, but really my first, uh, that I can think of, opportunity to go meet uh, an active and excited group of Republicans and just try to start getting back in the swing of things. And that was at the Denver GOP first Friday breakfast over there at the Morning Story restaurant in Denver. And it was fantastic. I made an announcement there that I'll tell you about here in a little bit. Donald Trump is just sweeping up around the place, uh, Missouri, Michigan, 100% of the delegates. Uh, I think there's another state or two out there that we'll dig into as well. But uh, speaking of Donald Trump, who is doing nothing but gathering steam, gaining momentum, just slapping, excuse the metaphor, slapping Nikki Haley around. And she just hangs on like a pit bull, starving pit bull on that last little piece of steak. Um, he's going to be smoking it by Tuesday, I think. But he's in Virginia right now at a get out the rally, uh, get out the vote rally in Virginia. So let's tap in for just a minute and see what Donald Trump has on his mind tonight. People with common sense. You know, I don't even say conservative so much. You're conservative, but. What are we really? We're people with common sense. We want to have borders. We want to have a free, fair election. We don't want to have crazy forms of counting our vote. We want to have paper ballots, same-day voting, voter ID, nice and simple. I like that group over there. <laughs> Is there anything better, think of this, than a Trump rally in Virginia? Is there anything? Yeah, clearly this uh, heavy schedule of campaigning and litigating and, and fighting every single day for this country, for his own freedom, no less, and on and on and on, is taking a real toll on Donald Trump, not Dude is just on fire every time he shows up, every time he opens his mouth. So today, Michigan, I knew there was one more state, Michigan, Missouri, Idaho, Donald Trump swept up those delegates coming up tomorrow. And naturally, Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia would be holding their presidential primary on a Sunday. Uh, so tomorrow it's 
District of Columbia. It's North Dakota. Another 48 delegates on the line there. Little breather on Monday. And then super frickin' Tuesday. 865 Republican delegates are at stake on Super Tuesday. And, of course, that includes our primary here in Colorado. If you haven't gotten your ballot in yet, too late to mail it. I don't like mailing them. I don't recommend mailing them. I don't like mail-in ballots in general. I don't like electronic vote-counting machines that can be on a witness stand, tampered with, have the results flipped by borrowing a ballpoint pen from one of the opposing lawyers and diddling with a machine right there on the stand. That happened in Georgia just a few weeks ago. Don't like any of it. But nonetheless, that's what we've got here in Colorado right now. Get that ballot in. And here's what's all at stake on Super Tuesday. Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Iowa, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia, plus the American Samoa. So I counted that before. I'm going to have to do it again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times two. That's 16 states plus American Samoa. That's why they call it Super Tuesday. And uh, when will Nikki Haley go away? I saw it. Now, I saw a snapshot of it, so I guess it could have been fabricated, but I think it was from her Twitter page or one of her social media posts where she was encouraging the Supreme Court to get on with ruling on the presidential immunity case so that this trial can take place before the the election. The American people are entitled to know. I mean, just there, there can be no other reason that she's hanging on than just the slightest of hopes that somehow all of this corrupt and coordinated lawfare perpetrated by these Democrat attorney generals and prosecutors somehow, some way, at the very last second, causes Donald Trump to not be able to run for president. But would Trump voters at this stage vote for Nikki Haley? Would Ron DeSantis pop himself back into the race? I know he's closed down his campaign. I don't know. I don't recall that he withdrew. You know, his name is still in place. It appeared on the on, it's on our Colorado ballot. It's been on a number of other ballots. When you see the the results of some of these other state primaries, would he pop back in? Would he be a viable replacement if somehow they sucked Trump out of the game? Don't think that's going to happen. There's just not enough time for all of this nonsensical Democrat lawfare to do its job. And momentum continues to build. At what point would even the current corrupt Department of Justice take a look at its own policies over decades of elections where they don't pursue criminal charges? They don't get involved as you get close to an election. At what point would they actually finally say, look, we have to stop? Now, they can't control what these state lawfare warriors bring forth. And how long is it going to be before the Supreme Court actually renders a decision on the Colorado and New Hampshire ballot cases? I I don't think New Hampshire was even argued. Colorado was argued, but of course, any 
ruling from the Supreme Court is very likely to impact any of, the, any of these other states. The uh, political activist judge in Illinois who uh, also determined that Trump's an insurrectionist, so he is staying off the ballot. Now, no charges of insurrection, no trial, no conviction, no facts to demonstrate that Donald Trump participated in an insurrection. But that's what happens with these politically motivated. It's just incredible. I've been a lawyer in my 26th year. Thank you, Alexa. I think she corrected me a week or two ago. Um, And believe me, she does that all the time. And thank God. 26th year. There's never been a time during the course of my quarter century plus of practicing law where, where certain courtrooms, certain judges certain issues that show up on a judge's docket become so incredibly politicized. Just never seen a time like this. It's absolutely crazy. And speaking of January 6th, uh, apparently the FBI is, you know, continuing. We're what? Almost four. Are we four years? Yeah. No, it was January 6th, 2021. So we're three years and two months past the actual riot at the Capitol. From day one, I have said that anybody who broke the law, who you know beat down a barrier, who raised a hand to a cop, no matter how provoked, I have, and especially people who damage property on the Capitol, I have no problem with people being charged and prosecuted and receiving due process and receiving a just sentence. But now, some three years, two months since the actual event, FBI is still arresting people. I was contacted by a J6er myself today. And it just goes on and on and on. Coincidentally, along with uh, these multiple additional arrests that, uh, that people are reading about, people are talking about, there's a Blaze reporter, works for the Blaze, you know, the Blaze TV, the Blaze website. That's where my good friend Steve Dace does his video uh, TV show and podcast. That's where Glenn Beck broadcasts from. And they have a reporter named Steve Baker. Now, Steve Baker was at January 6th. You can see video of Steve Baker walking around inside the Capitol. I believe, and I started to read this and then I got distracted and so I didn't finish it, but I think what the conclusion or the the fact that was being shared is that this latest piece of video regarding Steve Baker is part of some additional J6 video that was released by Republican minority, or sorry, Republican majority, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And it shows Steve Baker walking around inside the Capitol as a journalist, camera in hand, taking no covert actions, taking no violent actions, not walking really outside the lines or, you know, pushing his way through police officers or police barricades or doing anything camera in hand walking through, doing his 
job. So yesterday, Steve Baker was arrested and charged, I believe, with seven separate crimes. I may be confusing that number with the person that I spoke with today who was also arrested. Uh, But we're going to hear from Steve Baker uh, via recording. He did a, I don't know, seven or eight minute interview with my good buddy Steve Dace. If you have listened to this show for a long time, you know how highly I think of Steve Dace and my connection to him. I actually got to fill in for him on his nationally syndicated talk show, radio show back in the day when I was doing a weekly, a weekday morning show. And, uh, but we've just, you know, gotten together. I've read his books. I've had him on dozens of times here on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. Just one of the most stand-up guys ever, the fastest moving minds that you'll ever see. And uh, he does a fantastic interview with Steve Baker. And we're going to share some chunks of that so you can see just how unbelievably biased these Selective, it seems like, selective prosecutions, selective charges. And again, I am not diminishing the appropriate charging of people who committed actual crimes on the day of the riot. I've certainly been protesting about the way they were held without bond, in solitary confinement, lousy conditions, medical conditions left untreated. One guy that we uh, have interacted with who... Uh, finally, after months and months, got an appointment uh, visitation scheduled so he could actually see his family. And then just before that event was to happen, they claimed that there was a COVID issue and they moved him to another place. He had to start the whole process over. Don't know if he ever got to see his family. And I've certainly been crying about, crying out against these outrageous penalties that are being brought against some of these J6ers. It's it's beyond the pale. It really, really is. And a judge has said so. There's an entire article. I see we're already up against a break. And our phone number, 303-696-1971. Text messages rolling in. Phone number, 303-696-1971. A judge, for the second time, and this is a... Washington, D.C., a District of Columbia group of appellate judges, a D.C. appellate panel, has determined that the Department of Justice and the D.C. District Court judges were over-sentencing J6ers. Last year, a D.C. appellate court concluded that the Department of Justice's application of prison time and probation for those convicted of petty offenses or convicted of the petty offense of parading, parading, was unlawful. And now a new this new ruling from the Federal Court of Appeals may force a bunch of January 6th sentences to be recalculated after a firm determination that defendants who obstructed Congress had their sentences improperly lengthened by judges who determined that they had interfered with the administration of justice. It's so slow. It is so painful. But it's happening. It's just like the information that slowly and surely we're getting with regard to 
electronic voting machines. This four-week trial that went on in Georgia against the Republican Secretary of State, Raffsberger, never say his name, incredible evidence that was actually put into a court record still waiting on a court ruling on that case. But we had another good friend of mine, an election integrity expert and warrior, Garland Favorito, on the show. He wound up staying with us for, gosh, probably an hour and 10 or 15 minutes to talk all about that trial and a host of other issues. As I predicted back in 2021 and since, you know, as case after case was being thrown out and, uh, you know, you have no standing and 62 cases have been thrown out and there's no evidence. It's all was nonsense then. It's now being proven to be nonsense now. Evidence exists. Evidence is happening in that realm as well as what's happening to these J6ers. But we are going to take our break. When we come back, I want to share this amazing interview with you. We'll get to some of these phone calls first. Again, the phone number, 303-696-1971. And then uh, Glenn Beck had a wonderful summary about what happened to his friend, this Blaze reporter, Steve Baker. And uh, that'll be part of what we do next when we return, right here on 710-KNUS. Been spending a lot of time listening to 70s music. That's just really the era as I became more music conscious Guess who from 1970, No Sugar Tonight. Welcome back. Wake up with Randy Corcoran. One line is open at 303-696-1971. 696-1971. We'll get to Carol and Brian here in just a second. But uh, just saw this news flash roll by. Rush Limbaugh's longtime home in Palm Beach sold today for $155 million. That's one house on a few acres right there in Prime, prime, prime real estate, Palm Beach. I've walked up and down a long stretches of Palm Beach in my visits to Mar-a-Lago and uh, been able to sort of observe some of those beautiful, beautiful homes. But the point of this is that the Attorney General of New York, Leticia James, and the judge who tossed that you know $400 million fine on to Donald Trump, it's being appealed, I think it will be turned... Uh, tossed out, cruel and unusual punishment, excessive fines, and just no basis in any kind of reality. But remember, Leticia James argued that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, and the judge made that finding. The judge bought it as part of the argument that Donald Trump was overvaluing his assets and therefore defrauding banks whom he paid back in full and paid back early and testified that they would do business with Donald Trump again and that they enjoyed doing business with Donald Trump. Mar-a-Lago, $18 million. You can certainly times that by at least 50 or 60 times. Uh, I don't know, you know, a billion is probably a bit much. And I didn't go. Uh, we should Zillow Mar-a-Lago and just see what Zillow says about Mar-a-Lago. That would be extraordinarily fun. But if Rush Limbaugh's single house, two to seven acres, is worth one hundred and fifty-five million, the idea that Mar-a-Lago could be worth eighteen million dollars, or was years ago when these loans were taken out, absolutely ludicrous. 
So wanted to pass that information along to you. And now, as promised, let's get to the phones. We'll start with Carol in Lakewood. Carol, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, Randy, how are you doing? I'm hanging in, doing well. Okay. Um, I think um, Mark Levin had an interview with that guy um, yesterday on his show. Oh, did he? Did he? Did he get? Uh, uh, did the FBI knock on his door and took him away in, in handcuffs? Yeah, yeah. He and by the in fact they yeah. they took him down. They not only had him in handcuffs, they put him in leg yeah. and belly irons. Yeah, they put he it. They put this this reporter uh-huh. who, in chains. I know. Uh-huh. Wait yeah. till you hear yeah. what he has to say about it. It's it's pretty extraordinary. We'll play that here in a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, he talked to him, and you know, I was going to tell you too that lady uh, Jean Carroll. Yeah, Jean Carroll, the one. E Jean. E Jean. Or or some like to say Easy Jean. Yeah, okay. Easy, Jean Carroll. I think, I think it was all alive with her, because what happened is I worked for Neiman Marcus and Bertolt Goodman in 1993 when I went down to Dallas because I got transferred down to Dallas and worked for Neiman Marcus for 20 years. Well, if she got accosted by Trump in a dressing room, back then they monitored those dressing rooms, and if it was security pro- problem. They would have had her fill out uh, a form with a police department. So I don't think that ever happened. And uh, I think he's already bragging about it now. So I just think uh, it's somehow, um, she's a Democrat, I think. And I think they've paid her to bring that thing up. To me, it doesn't seem right because Bertolt Goodman... They have two stores in New York, a woman's and a men's. And if it was in the women's um, store, they do monitor those dressing rooms in case something like that happens. Yeah. And also for stealing clothes out of those dressing rooms, because those are high-end stores. You know, when this first happened, this conviction, I, I thought it was a texter who wrote in and said that she also was an employee at one of these stores. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she was actually in the New York store. And said that well, they that, yeah, that they would have, have yeah they only have two stores in New York and that's it. They're it's, not like a a store that goes all over the country. It's a Bertolt Goodman store. And yeah, they only have two stores. Well, she said that if there w- had been a an incident like that, that it would have been all over the store. That it would have been gossiped yeah. about, talked about. You well, know, is, policies um, would have been implemented, et cetera. Well, the thing is, when I worked in the Dallas uh, Credit Department. If we would have heard something like that, it would have been all over the credit department. And I never heard anything about it because I was there in 93, and that's when they actually bought Bertolt Goodman Neiman Marcus. So they still own Bertolt Goodman Neiman Marcus. They're, they, um, they're, they're an actual they, – they have their credit department for Bertolt Goodman down in Dallas still. Well, so one, thi- one just, thing I know for sure, Carol, uh, it, we played E. Jean Carroll uh, on with, I think, Rachel, Rachel Madcow. Yeah. On MSLSD, and uh, uh, yeah. she was asked what she was going to do with her four hundred million dollars, and I guess she had talked about you know doing something to help uh, empower women. And um, her answer to okay. it was, you know, she was going to buy a penthouse apartment, and maybe she'd buy one for Rachel, and just la di da di da, disgusting it, human being. Yeah, it wasn't four hundred four hundred million. It was only eighty three. Oh right, right. I'm sorry. I'm confusing yeah. her her 
hers with uh, with the New York judge who valued Mar-a-Lago at one point eight million. But yes, you're right. Well, heck, she can't buy that many penthouse apartments with only eighty three or eighty six million, right? Yes, she hasn't even gotten that money yet. Not a chance. uh, They're going to give it to her because she's going all over the the place blabbing about it, and she just got five million from him. So I just think the whole thing is a fabricated thing because if that happened, we would have the social, the security department down in Dallas would have picked that up because they handled the security for Bertolt Goodman too. Well, you're the second employee who was working for them during that time who said the yeah. same thing. So I appreciate that, Carol. Yeah. Anything else before we jump to Brian? Well, I just wanted to let you know um, I'm going through that uh, cancer, breast cancer thing. So now I'm on my hormones <laughs> for five years. How does that make you feel? I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, they say it gives you either hot flashes, but I never. I had hot flashes when I had menopause back in '93. That's when I found out I had menopause. So, the first month I was on them, I didn't have any hot flashes. I said, "This is great if I don't have hot flashes." Yeah. About it. Now I'm getting the hot flashes again. So, and then they say. Mm constipation, all these other symptoms. So I don't know. I have to go back and see the doctor I went to uh, for the hormones. I think I have to do it this month. But I'm on, on those pills for five years. So that's what I don't really care to be on. No, I, I can, can imagine. But I'll tell you, um, yeah. you know, given the consequences that can occur from breast cancer, I guess, yeah. if that's what you got to well, do. I've got a friend who is in stage four lung cancer, and yeah, they've given him less than six months, and he is just He's doing tons of chemo, but he will not. He's relentless. He won't stop working. He won't start inter- stop interacting with family and business and the world, and he just oh, keeps on plugging. So I pray for him, and I pray for smoker? you, Carol. Yeah, was yeah big smoker and still smoking because he figures, why? who cares now, <laughs> you know? The thing is, too, you can get lung cancer with secondhand smoke. It's true. That's it's true. You're living with a guy that smokes. Well, Carol, God bless you. I want to get to Brian before we run out of time here in this segment. Thanks for calling in. All right, Randy. Have a good day. You bet. Brian in Arvada, welcome back to the show. Randy. Brian. Did you fire up the uh, hog today or what's going on? Not today. I was too busy. But last Saturday, I got out on the motorcycle and uh, man, oh man, does that feel good. Remember how beautiful it was? Was it Saturday or Sunday? might have been Sunday, but last weekend, yeah, got out and really enjoyed it. And I just can't wait for spring. We're going to get into the crappy weather again here for a week or so, it looks like. And, but we're getting close, and it, it's keeping me happy, or happier, I guess I should say. Well, that's all we can do. We can try to entertain ourselves, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Car, when my brother died, uh, riding my motorcycle made me feel good. Um after when Tana passed away, you know, it was a darker feeling on the bike, but I could still kind of get lost in my mind, my thoughts, the wind, the ride. So that that is a healing tool for me. So I am excited and anxious to get back into it when the weather turns good for to stay. Well, without pain, you don't know true happiness or joy. And it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the way it is. Hey, this uh, Steve Baker guy, now they're starting to arrest, I guess, journalists? Yeah, wait till you hear this interview that he did with uh, with my buddy Steve Dace and then the Glenn Beck comments on it. We'll get to those maybe in the next segment, but uh, it's incredible. It's terrifying, and it's, as you'll hear Steve Baker say, it's they're trying to send a message 
not just to conservatives, but now conservative journalists don't dare cross this line. Don't dare step out against us. And I think it's a, just a further act of desperation, Brian. Yeah, so do I. We we knew they would have to get a little extreme because, you know, Trump Trump kind of knows where all the bodies are and stuff. He's got them all got them all scared and they can't let him in there. I mean, there's too much for one, the money involved with selling out America to China. I mean, all these senators, even some Republicans, they're all making a ton of money. So they're not just going to go, okay, well, I'll go along with the normal people. You know, they're making a lot of money selling us out is the problem. And that's why we got to have term limits. We can't have people just in government, for their career because this is the end result you yeah, know it's, we got it's, it's been interesting to me brian to hear all the all the laudatory comments on mitch mcconnell now that he's finally retiring and and i get that it took a lot of courage a lot of guts a lot of know-how to to keep merrick garland off of the supreme court and now we have this six to three you know pretty much constitutional originalist majority on there and uh, but, you know, when you look at a career as a whole, to me, it cannot be a badge of honor to have served in the federal government for 40 plus years. That's just not how it was designed. Well, at that point, you're just riding the system. You know, you're you're not helping anybody. You're riding the system. It's one thing if you come in, you own a business, you're successful. You say, hey, I got an idea. And I'll help all, all my American citizens. Then you love people. But it it came to a point where they were like, well, it's really not about the American people. I mean, I got like six houses all over the place. Uh, you know, I just got to do what China says on this one thing. It becomes a mess. That's why you should not. You got to have term limits. Very simple. Just like the president has term limits. So shall everybody else. And that will correct a lot of the problems, not all of them, but it will be a good start. Yeah, how does Nancy Pelosi, how, how does Mitch McConnell, how does so many of these politicians go from, you know, it's a good living in Congress. There's no doubt about that. The six figures, uh, $200,000 a year approximately. That's not chicken feed. Uh, but then they somehow, you know, within a couple of terms, they're a millionaire and then a multimillionaire and then – 10 million, 20 million, and it just makes no sense unless they're playing off of their power, their votes, and the inside information that they get in that position. That is not right. Well, you and know, that it's kind of like Ken that would, Buck. That would stop with term limits. Go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of like Ken Buck. He started out a good guy, but then his problem is the FBI, they pinched him on something, and they said, you're going to do this, and that's the way it's going to be. When you sell out for money, your life will never be fulfilled. You have to actually earn the money. That's that's why we have to have term limits. These people get in, they sell us down the river because they're getting bigger houses, more property. It's just it's so stupid basic. But, you know, we're still a young country, so maybe everybody will figure it out in like another 50 or 100 years. I don't know. Well, you know, I go back a ways with Ken Buck. He, I still consider him a friend, even though I've disagreed with many recent decisions he's made. But I just want to make clear, there's no actual evidence that the FBI pinched him with anything, and that's what's influencing his decision-making. I can understand you speculating Well, he, he went that. from such extremes, though. You know, 
So, and I don't blame him. I blame we let our intelligence community get so powerful. They don't even have to answer to Epstein at this point. They're like, okay, well, I guess we got Epstein's girlfriend, but there's nothing else to see here. We got like probably 100, 200 child molesters running around. The FBI says, no, you're not allowed to see it. They become more powerful than who we elect as our leaders. And we just got to see the truth. And once we do, then everything will change. So we'll see what happens. Well, these are very interesting times to be alive. Things are moving fast. It's March already. The election is in November. And man, oh, man, who the hell knows what's going to happen next? I just pray for the safety of Donald J. Trump. Same here. And it's going to be interesting times. And we all got to keep in mind, if you trap a pig or an animal in a corner, they're going to fight back. So we got to expect this. But we all got to stand strong. I love y'all. And have a good night. Love you, Brian. Thanks for checking in. We'll get right to a break. Come right back to the phones. Brian's line is open at 303-696-1971. 696-1971. Bunch of audio here. We might check back in for just a minute with Donald Trump, who continues to go strong in the Virginia get-out-the-vote rally. And I got a whole, man, I've got some stuff on abortion that Senator John Kennedy did in a Senate meeting, Senate hearing. And it hurts. It hurts to hear it. But uh, if you stick around, you're going to hear that as well. So stay with us here on 710 KNUS. We're back. Of course, that sticks from 1973. And man, oh, man, it is just remarkable how the meaning of a song can change as life goes on. That song used to always touch me, especially when I, you know, became a teenager and started you know, you'd get those uh, heart palpitations over a certain girl and always be rejected. And you'd hear that song and you'd feel, you know, a little melancholy. And But then when you lose the love of your life in a song like that, it is, uh, it's something. I don't recommend it. Let me put it that way. But I am going to go see Sticks in June. Probably the, and I think Foreigner is playing with him. I have never seen Foreigner in concert. But all of this uh, 60s and mostly 70s rock that I've been playing on the show as I, you know, climb my way back into the saddle after last year's tragedy um, has just inspired me to go see a concert. I think the last concert I went to, and I don't remember when it was, but it was a New Year's Eve concert with Neil Diamond in Denver with Tana. And uh, she was scrappy, very scrappy, L.A. tough. And uh, some drunk girl um, came up and got in her face. And I wasn't there. I was still at my seat. She was coming back. And I so I don't know exactly what happened. But she pushed that woman so hard that she flew off the ground and then landed on her keister. Cops came over. When I saw that going on, that's when I walked over there. And, uh, you know, they didn't do anything to Tana. She was really was just defending herself. But I thought, oh, little drunken girl, don't go there. You had no idea the fire and the fury that you were about to unfurl. That was my baby, Tana. I'm telling you, it was a great night. But looking forward to the concert, looking forward to trying to, you know, shake my way back into things. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Before we go back to the phones, let's just check in with Donald Trump for one minute. And garbage, 
And the medians, you know, those metal medians at garbage that garbage that you put them up two days later. I think the sun melts them or something. They expand and contract. They're laying all over the ground. But you look at all the, the filth and you look at the graffiti on beautiful marble walls and you look at what happened. And most importantly, you look at the crime and the murder. You leave, you go to, from Virginia, you want to take a trip through Washington, you end up getting shot, killed or something. And it's a shame. We're going to be very strong. We're going to take over Washington, D.C. We're going to run it properly. We're going to get rid of the slums. We're going to open up our parks. We're going to have to get rid of the tent cities and the tents all over the place. You know, yeah, it sounds and you can't by, really hear on that earlier. There was just crazy cheering going on. It sounds like another massive turnout for Donald Trump. This in Virginia at the get out the vote rally after he dominated caucuses today in Michigan, in Idaho and in Missouri. Super Tuesday coming up on Tuesday. Will Nikki Haley still try to hang on after she gets absolutely blown away on Super Tuesday. Wouldn't surprise me. She's hanging on, just hoping, hoping that somehow Donald Trump gets popped into jail or gets a felony hung on him and, you know, something that makes him ineligible to continue his run to the presidency. So we shall see. But in the time we've got left, let's get back to our phones. Full lines. Let's see. Looks like Alan in Lakewood's been waiting the longest. Alan, welcome. Hello, Randy. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Uh, I first got interested in term limits. Yes or no, I'm an engineer. I like to see how things work. And I had an opportunity to see how they worked and work in one of the uh, least productive counties in this state. But it, uh, the first thing that was a clue was that the Convention of the States guy at that time said, well, we, we're including that in the agenda because we think we'll get a lot of Democrats uh, signing up for the Convention of the States. And that started me, why would they want to do that? But the uh, uh, it was a couple of our very good run people running for legislative Senate that pointed out that the deep state, permanent state, swamp, whatever you want to call it, is based on bureaucracies which incorporate all three branches of our government, as the founders wisely chose not to do, within those bureaucracies. That is, they have legislative power, they have judicial power, and they have enforcement power. One or more of those items have to be taken away from the bureaucracies before we can solve any of the problems that are facing us. Uh, my bright idea, which might not work, would be to force all judicial uh, enforcement judgments to be executed outside, completely outside of the realm of the bureaucracy itself. But uh, there's where the permanent state comes from. And the other final item on that is that if you have a legislator that you really want to keep and who's doing a great job representing your constituency, it's illegal to keep him. And you, I don't see how anyone could make a lot of good sense out of that. And the flip side of it is, if you have a Nancy Pelosi or a Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and uh, they're term-limited out of office, 
the same organization that put them into office in the first place is still there, and the same person in different skin is going to be put into that office. Anything that a term-limited representative does will accrue of any long term will accrue to the next person that comes into that slot, and therefore the person who did it won't get the credit for it. That makes it much more beneficial to the term-limited professional politician to do the party agenda and have a higher priority for that, for their support, for the next job that he will seek, rather than to represent the constituents faithfully. And that well, is how party agendas become so terribly sticky. So, I'll Alan, back Alan yeah, your, your engineer assessment, uh, and I wanted to let you get it out because I knew it was going to be cogent, but I, I guess my reaction to it in the limited time we've got left here is was that the intention uh, for these government jobs at the time of the founding? Did these, uh, you know, these heroes who managed to cobble together the Constitution and fend off the British and, and launch a country, did they envision people serving in these political offices for life? I mean, you know, they would travel from their homes and from their businesses and go into a session for, you know, weeks and maybe sometimes a, a month or two or more at a time and then return to their lives and their businesses. Uh, do you think that the way that it's worked out is beneficial, in spite of some of the negatives that you point out, if we were to enforce term limits? I, I have to counter that uh, talking by you, and I apologize. It's okay. But I cannot see how the Founding Fathers ever envisioned the legislature's legislators turning over their duties to exec uh, to executive branch bureaucracies with no never having been voted into those offices and those positions of power well it's fascinating i've got the music in the background thank you and so i can't respond to that other than to share a quick text that came in Someone who agrees with Alan, our engineer friend in Lakewood, we have term limits. This is our other good buddy, Susan, quite a entrepreneur in her own right. We can vote out the elected. Those are our term limits. What we need are term limits on all bureaucrats. No more than six years in any government office at any level. No more bureaucrats telling the elected how things run. That is a fascinating point, Susan. Maybe we'll pick that up on the other side. We've got full lines rocking here, too, so stay with us. Second hour ahead of Wake Up with Randy Corcoran on 710. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.